Yeah, welcome to Sunday Coffee. After the dogs win 24-17 over Vanderbilt, I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. Going to welcome in a new member this morning. We went outside the family. We scoured the streets. We found Robbie Falk with the Startville Daily News. Robbie, congratulations. Charlie and I have been looking for someone that could say things that we would like to say but can't. And <laughs> congratulations on being the martyr. So well, I was first of all, I don't drink coffee. Secondly, you know, I'm a regular media guy, so eight o'clock AM is not a good time for me. But I, I carved out some time in my sleep for you guys. And I was also told that there was gonna be country pleasing sausage and there's none here. Well, there is country pleasing sausage here. It's just in the refrigerator. It has not yet been cooked. Yeah. Small I, technical detail. Well, here's the thing. Charlie has been on me about bringing that maple sausage that I was supposed to bring to you last week. and Last uh, week. Last <laughs> month. <laughs> well, a couple times I ate it and because it was getting close to the born-on date. And so, um, anyway, I had to get it, you know. And so, today, I actually brought it to you. Yeah, and he says as he walks in, he throws it on the table and says, you're probably going to want to cook this in the next day or two, oh, which tells me it's been in his freezer for about a month. It's now. been in the fridge. It's been in the <laughs> fridge for, for for a few days. So, okay, let's let's look at yesterday. Uh, State uh, over Vanderbilt, twenty four seventeen, and you know here's the thing. We talked about it before the game. You know, is this a situation where if you win a game, do you feel great? If do you have to win by a ton of style points to feel better? I'm not going to lie. Last night after we got off the postgame show, Charlie, I felt worse. I mean, I really did. And I told you that in the parking lot. I was like, you know, I, I don't feel as good about us right now as I did before we started the game today. But when you have time to really delve into the stats and look at the number of guys that played and who played and who did not play, because those are things that really don't stand out to you as it's going on, hey, I'll take it. I'll take yesterday without doubt. So much was made about Vanderbilt only traveling 58 scholarship players yesterday. We had a bunch of guys out of that game yesterday. We had fewer than 58. I think we were at 53 or 54. I mean, we were, we were right down around the minimum. And you go back and you look at the number of guys that we played. I think we played 43. And you compare that to where were you at LSU in a game that's competitive. We were at, like in the mid-50s. And the thing is, you look out there too, and – Look, I'm guilty of looking out on the field, and I see an offensive line. I don't always figure out who's where. And then you go back and you look at it and you start breaking it apart. We had guys playing a lot of different places yesterday. You had guys out. I mean, we've had a, a revolving door at right tackle. And then you've got Greg Island, who's done everything but play center. He has to swing out to left tackle. It, it was a mess at times. Yeah, and you and you mentioned the guys that are out. They're not. It's not just you know regular guys. It's guys that are at key positions. With that offensive line already struggling, when you're putting in a Brandon Cunningham at right tackle, who's hardly played any ball games in his career at this point, um, that's an issue. Uh, you know, Dollar Bill has struggled some this year. He's been out with an ankle injury. Cameron Jones played last week for the first time in his career. Started that ball game against Alabama. He was out on Saturday, so now you're throwing in Brandon Cunningham, who's kind of a guard tackle combo guy, and Greg Island swinging from from guard to tackle, and they just haven't had a lot of continuity up front. Now you have guys that are out, and you're you're really thin on the offensive line. I think that's kind of been their issue, really offensively all year. You start taking guys out, 
and you're not able to build that continuity, then it's really an issue. And I think it really kind of played out that way on Saturday. Although we were talking, you know, before this, that was probably one of their one of their better games on the offensive line, to be honest with you. And I know it was Vanderbilt, but I thought the guys did did pretty well considering the circumstances. Yeah, going back to saying that's Vanderbilt, those guys are. I mean, they're, they're wretched. Yes. I mean, they're they're bad. They're they're a bad football team, and, and they know that. I mean, they, you got to know who you are. I mean, they know they're <laughs> they 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 know well, they saw that going for fourth down, doing things. Yeah, I thought I mean, they at least came to play to win. A- absolutely, and I think they saved a lot for us. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, I think they, I think they've been waiting for five weeks to show us different looks on defense. We're not going to show anything <laughs> against South Carolina. Heck We're no. going to bring it all against Mississippi <laughs> State. Um, talk about Cunningham one second, who got the start at right tackle. I know we don't spend a whole lot of time talking about offensive linemen. You know, he was good in times, and he was a freshman at times. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think you saw that with some holding. He had like three or four holding penalties. He had a. A face mask penalty. He <laughs> rips the guy's head off. <laughs> and, and and I've kind of heard that about him in the past. Is like when he's good in practice, he's really good. And then there's times in practice where the coaches are just scratching their head, like what is going on? And and, and he is, you know, still a freshman. He's still a young guy, and he's he's learning the ropes. But he's very talented too. That was a player that they were really excited about getting when they did get him because he was one that a lot of people didn't think could could make it into school. To be quite frank. Um, he had some academics, and for State to get him was a big win for Marcus Johnson and and, the, and Joe Moorhead. So they're they're excited about his future, but he's a guy that's going to take his lumps, and he did on Saturday. But I thought there were some good moments too. Look on the defensive side, I thought that was one of the better efforts. I mean, it was, and Vanderbilt has not been very good offensively at all, and we've had some guys who were were not out, who were not playing yesterday on defense. And then you have Sean Preston go out. I mean, that was textbook targeting. I mean, there, 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 there's no way any kind of fan could say, man, that ain't right. <laughs> because no, that was one. Everybody's <laughs> like, no. Yeah, he's out. Yeah, he's gone. <laughs> he's gone. He, he, he's gone. And so, but what Zach Arnett did yesterday, I mean, he dialed up pressure probably a little bit more than we have seen even in the first five games. And you force five turnovers. And I think volatility is the word I used last night on the postgame show. And I love that word. I don't know why. And I keep saying it a lot. Because you just learned it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but it, it seemed like, you know, those plays and, and the calls that we made forced turnovers. And it seemed like all the turnovers we got last night, sometimes you have some mundane turnovers. Sometimes they're third down. And third down and 15, you throw the ball – Deep down the right flat, it's essentially a punt, okay? That turnover's not bad for you, okay? We turn the ball over at the 40-yard line in your territory on a third down and 15, okay? Those don't hurt you. Vanderbilt's five turnovers last night were big, big turnovers. Yeah, you know, that defense last night reminded me some of the the 2017 defense and, and that players just went out there and just forced plays, Colin Duncan had the one-handed interception, which I thought was a really good uh, read by him. Same for Errol Thompson reading that interception in the end zone. Tyrus Wheat going out there and stripping uh, the quarterback of the ball and, and giving State pretty much the ball game there late. You look at those numbers and you say, well, they gave up 400-plus against Vanderbilt. Well, you have to actually go back and look at the film and you have to consider the circumstances of the game too and how that game played out 
to really appreciate what the defense did because they were constantly in bad positions, uh, three and outs by the offense, and, and I thought eventually they just got worn out. And when you consider the fact that they they were playing without a, a few guys just like the offensive line was, um, you're running out Kobe Jones and Jaden Crumedy and those guys uh, for so many plays throughout the game. They weren't able to go through their rotations defensively like they would. So those guys played a lot of snaps, and Marquis Spencer has a big play late in the ball game. Um, after playing most of that game, I was really impressed with the defense, and I continue to be impressed with them every single week. Um, you know, even in, in a game like Alabama where they gave up 41 points, whatever it was, I'm just really impressed with Zach Arnett. I had zero expectations for this defense coming into the season. To see them continuously do what they do, I, you know, I would put them, I, I would put them at the top of the SEC right now. And I, I'm being completely honest with that. I, I think this is the best defense, if not the best, top two, top three in the SEC, just based on what they've been able to do with the personnel that they have. I've been really impressed with that group. That's one bright spot that I really have about this team. And, Charlie, that's one of the things we talked about in the postgame last night was just the number of plays, and you talk about it, Robbie, with the number of plays that the defense was out there, especially in the second half. I mean, we ran the same amount of offensive plays that Vanderbilt did in the first half, but when you get to the third quarter, Vanderbilt had 152 yards. We had just 42. But you look at plays and the total number of plays – you know, Vanderbilt ran, what, 46 offensive plays in the second half. We ran 22. We only ran 11 plays in each the third and the fourth quarter. And so when you get down to the to the, to the tough time of the second half when teams begin to wear down, that's when our defense was, you know, strained more than any strain was strained more than anything else. You know, it, the box score will look a little bit more for our defense like an NFL game where the goal is you know you're going to give up your yards, but you try to force turnovers. We did that, and we forced important turnovers. But you go back, you're exactly right. The second half offensively yesterday was not much difference, not much different than the first half at Alabama, save for the fact that you got gifted some turnovers and were able to get some points out of it. But we didn't run a lot of plays over the minimum. It was a whole lot of three and out. Yeah, 47 plays for Vanderbilt to our 22 in the second half. Okay, let's talk about something we haven't seen in the last five, six games. Last five or six games. And it really, you know, last night to, to see this happen felt good. We got to see Brandon Ruiz. <laughs> I mean, this guy this guy trotted out against Alabama and kicked the opening kickoff and literally could have gone and gotten dressed. That was it. I mean, he didn't he didn't do anything else. I mean, he didn't, he didn't come out again. I thought we might see him on the side of a milk carton pretty soon. <laughs> have you seen this guy call authorities? And we just he hadn't been out on the field. No, and and so the weapon he is in kickoffs and then the ability, you know, to, to pump one through. And yesterday we had a field goal in the first half. I thought our first three drives we came out and Charlie, this is one of the things I want to talk about is you know, we came out early, two touchdowns, a field goal, everything looks better offensively. And then we went away from some things that got us success in those first three drives. I thought Vanderbilt did a really good job of adjusting, especially at halftime, the quick pitches outside. They really changed things up along their defensive front. Yeah, it was really interesting. As I was walking to do the postgame show, I was walking behind a group of people, and, you know, one of the guys was saying, you know, those idiots, we were having those toss plays and we were getting big yards and we didn't do it at all in the second half. Well, the reason we didn't do it all in the second half is because Vanderbilt defended it. 
they basically aligned their defense to take that play away from us. We were pitching the ball and letting a guy run to green, letting him run to open space. There wasn't green there in the second half because Vanderbilt changed. You know, we made some adjustments early. Let me give you one. On the first touchdown that we had, Rodgers throws the fade route in the corner. The thing that you like is we actually had a receiver covered on the play, meaning we had two guys lined up on the right side, normally receivers. We had one of them covered, which means he wasn't eligible. He stayed in the block. We had a back to block, and we gave ourselves that extra time. We don't do that a lot, obviously, but I thought this idea that Mississippi State never changes things is is not true. We're trying some things. They're not always apparent. But the award for changing yesterday, in my mind, has to go to Vanderbilt, and particularly on that defensive side of the ball. I thought they made adjustments. Yeah, they did. And that's been one thing that defenses have made all year against Mississippi State. And I can't figure out why they what, – what the underlying problem is, why they can't have production on offense. Um, this is an offense that's worked everywhere. And I know – I know everybody says, well, this is the SEC and it's different than the SEC. Well, the SEC defenses aren't that impressive either. I haven't been impressed with these defenses. This is one of the worst defensive seasons I've seen in a while. So what is the problem um, that's going on with Mississippi State offensively? I think that's what everybody's trying to nail down right now. And it's it's really a mixture of things for me. It's, you know, the fact that the offensive line hasn't had that continuity. And I think that it's – I I don't know about the splits thing and, and how big of a factor that is. Oh, the splits. The, the splits, that that's – I mean, that's become a big term. But um, I don't know what's going on with the offensive line. I think you, you are changing the mentality of the that group because they've been kind of a road grading, run blocking offensive line since they were recruited here. Um, and there's, there's not a, you know, a ton of – guys with experience right now up front either. But you're breaking in two new quarterbacks, a guy that comes from a completely different offense in the Pac-12. You're breaking in a freshman who's getting his first action as a quarterback in the league, wide receivers that haven't been in this offense. So I think it's a lot of different things. I don't know at this point if it's going to be a successful offense in the SEC, but I think Mike Leach deserves – to have the benefit of the doubt and the fact that he's done this for so long and it's worked everywhere he's been. And what he's done as a, as a head coach has worked everywhere he's been. Um, there, there's a lot of question marks about about his uh, um, his way of doing things and his offense right now, but like I said, I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt. That's Robbie Falk. He's joining us this morning. Robbie Falk with the Startwell Daily News. One of the things we haven't talked about, Charlie, is how Robbie rolls in here. He's got the collar shirt on. He's got the khakis on. He's got the dress shoes on. His hair is fixed. And then you look at us, all right? <laughs> we roll in with flip-flops. Hey, we look just fine for radio. Absolutely. That's one of the things you got to learn, Charlie. You dress to impress. That's what I was always told. That's really? why I usually wear T-shirts. And you're dressing in front of two other guys, Okay. <laughs> Um, which tells us one thing. Charlie and I are used to getting ready in a hurry to go to church. We're used to having multiple children in our house and, and understand the chaos. You're still a young father. You, you, you haven't understood just the process of how to handle the chaos. I'm just, two years in. And my wife uh, handles all that anyway. I mean, we'll just let her handle that. <laughs> I hope she's not a listener. But, hey, <laughs> here's another thing, and I want to break away from what we're talking about. It's amazing the number of people – I think everybody that goes to a football game listens to this because everybody that I passed yesterday said, I can't wait to hear y'all's take tomorrow morning. 
it, it's amazing. And Robbie, this is one of the things we're going to make you star. Okay, here's one of the things. <laughs> that little Brandon Walker quality there, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> stick with me, buddy. Stick, so stick with us. We talk about the new quarterback, and, and we've talked about this all season long about you know Will Rogers coming in quarterback. Every one of us, we all have Winston County ties. You 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 were in Louisville for a good bit of your childhood, hey, Charlie. Mr. Elementary Winston Academy, nineteen eighty three, baby. Okay, I was a two time homecoming court guy. Really? Yes. Well, I, yeah, I was from Nanawoya. We we were the castoffs, and uh, well, you, you were Mister Nanawoya, right? Well, Mister Warrior. No, no, Mister Warrior. So we've all known Wyatt Rogers. Every one of us, we've all known Wyatt for a long time. You know, Wyatt was a coach at Winston Academy for a long time when I was doing a lot of radio down there. And Robbie, you coming from that area as well, and knowing Wyatt, we've known Wyatt. Wyatt's a great guy. We've known the family, you know, having Louisville ties. And so it's almost like Will is one of ours. But as a new quarterback, there's some things. One of the things we looked at on the message boards is why is he not running the football? Hey, you look at last night. I mean – there is no way, if I'm Will Rogers, I'm running the football because we only dressed out two scholarship quarterbacks. We only dressed out two quarterbacks last yeah, I was night. say, forget scholarship quarterbacks. You only dressed out two. Your backup, as I appreciate it, was Justin Stolberg. And here's his line. He's a junior college transfer. Here's his line in the bio. Appeared in four career games, a part of back-to-back teams that won the Midwest Classic Bowl. That's his contribution at Butler Community College. And so the idea that you're going to tell Will Rogers in that game, hey, man, things break down, you tuck it and run. And, oh, and by the way, don't slide. Put your head down, put your shoulder down and push through it. It isn't happening. Uh, I said this last night. If I'm coaching, it's a two count, and then it's going to the tubas. Just throw it up with the band. Yeah, and I wonder how mu- I wonder how much that goes in the game plan by Leach uh, pregame and how they change how they attack with Will Rogers. Uh, you do want to be careful with him, and and also another thing you have to consider is you don't want to mess him up, so to speak, mentally. And I don't think Will's a guy that that is really going to be harmed by mistakes because you know we know him. He's he's a very confident kid, and I, you know I feel like he's going to be able to get through some things. But another thing you have to consider is just you don't want the kid to, to have his confidence shot. So physically and mentally, you want to take care of him because he, he probably is the quarterback of the future and quarterback of the now, too. So you do want him to have some success. And you're seeing him th- throw those short routes and try to get some confidence early on. That first possession, it really looked like he got some confidence with some short routes, and he threw the nice ball to, to Cyrus Mitchell. Didn't take a whole lot of big shots. But uh, you do want to take care of him. And – uh, you know, I, I do get a kick out of that. Fans always want the quarterback to just take off and run when you see the grass, but that's just not how this offense works, and it's not going to work that way. All right, so let's ask this. You bring it up, we didn't take shots, and that was the thing coming in. In fact, I, I think I put on Twitter yesterday, I know it's so cliched after a turnover, hey, let's take a shot downfield, but let's go ahead and do it anyway. Let's take a shot. Are we deciding not to? Is the defense just not allowing it? Or do we not have time to let our receivers run that far? What, what's going on? Bart, I'm curious to what you see. Well, I think a lot of it plays into, you know, one of the things about yesterday is how much time do you want Will Rogers holding on the football in the pocket? 
Now, a couple times, and hey, you know, we talked about it last night on the post game. Will's going to look at this when he's a junior. You know, when the game is slowed down a little bit, and he's going to look back at the tape of last night and his first you know career start in the SEC, and he's going to say, "My goodness, you know what was I, what was I doing? I mean, I did it. I mean, I, I I still have the tapes of the first game I ever broadcast in my life. Seriously, it's terrible. I mean, it's, and, and people will tell you right now, man, hey, the last broadcast you did was pretty terrible too. But it's amazing. It's the question thing, of degree, really. Exactly. It's, it's amazing when you do things and everything kind of slows down for you and you realize, man, the mistakes that I made when I was young. And last night, holding on the ball, trying to get outside the pocket, you can do that in high school, try to buy yourself more time. But in this league, even if it is Vanderbilt, it, it's hard to get outside the pocket unless it's by design a yeah. lot of times, a lot of times. And so he's going to look back at that. And I th- here's the question I have, and going back to your point, Charlie, you know, where are we off? You know, that's probably you talked about it a moment ago. I mean, we're, we're something is not clicking. Something is not there. It seems like everything is a chore. It, it seems like getting a first down is a chore. We went four straight possessions last night without getting a first down. A lot of that's getting behind the sticks on first down. I know that. But Malik Heath is getting better. That's that's a positive. You know, but where the offensive line's breaking down, you know, from a quarterback standpoint, you're learning a new offense. From a wide receiver standpoint, you're learning a new offense. But, I mean, what's the next step? That, that's the question that I have. And uh, I've been around football all my life, and we all have. And trying to figure out, okay, hey, this team is getting better, it's getting better, it's getting better, or it's got to get better. What's the first step? Well, I think one of the first steps is probably everybody recognizing that this is a different year. And I'm not using that as an excuse because it happens to everyone. And I don't think anybody should use it as an excuse. Mississippi State shouldn't for yesterday. Look, you could say they're backups, whatever. Those are scholarship athletes. You brought them in for a reason. And that's the same way that Clemson shouldn't be complaining today because they lost a game last night to Notre Dame in embarrassing fashion on national television. I'll tell you what was embarrassing. I don't want the excuses. uh, Look at the crowd after the game. How in the world do you let the student section? They were masked. Oh, They were masked. Oh, it's 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 oh, that's ridiculous. They that's ridiculous mass. as a as a fan base and as a student body to storm the field in these times of coronavirus. Oh my! And hey, so, Dr. Fauci here. No, I mean in in all these times, you know, it, it's all dependent. It's all dependent upon why you're wanting to converge. That's all. That's that's what you're saying. It's okay for Notre Dame, but no, it's not good. Anyway. It's the media. Right, I'm blaming. Thanks, thanks Dr. You're a, Fauci. You're a member of the media, but Charlie. Let me get back to your uh, <laughs> your question. Here's here's the issue: is you want to be able to say our offensive line's got to get better. Realistically, how is it going to get better in a week where Charles Cross isn't playing, Dollar Bill isn't playing, Cam Jones isn't playing, Greg Island, who's been a guard and then a right tackle, is now swinging to left. Yes, you got to get better. Yes, you can't use it as an excuse. And Robbie Barton and I uh, talked about this last night. You know, we're all happy on Wednesdays to go through the injury list. And even before the game, well, this guy's out, this guy's out. But come Saturday, everybody forgets that. They don't care who's out. It's still a game and it still matters. And all of a sudden that excuse goes away. But I'm not saying you make an excuse, but it is part of the evaluation of why you are where you are. You go back to the defense. Why were they not as good in the second half? Part of it was because Preston lit a guy up, led with his head, and he's not out there. The absence of players matters, and I think 
it's going to be dumb luck for the rest of this year who's available and who's not. Yeah, and going back to what you mentioned about this just being a weird year in 2020, um, I, you know, before the season, we all were saying, you know, this is kind of, you know, just a trial year. Whatever happens, happens. Well, now we, we're we're nailing down this offense isn't going to work. Mike Leach isn't going to work in this league and all that. Yeah, I mean, at, at, at some point, you have to go back to the fact that this is 2020. There was no spring. Mike Leach didn't have an opportunity to implement that offense, which, by the way, just about everywhere he's been has not been what he wants it to be until year two or year three. So uh, it, it's all it's, we've always heard it's always predicated on reps, predicated on practice time. His quarterback has to be a, a guy that's fluent in the system, and Will Rogers is. But at the same time, he hasn't played in the SEC. This is his fourth game, I think, in SEC football because he didn't play in the first two ball games. So um, you're talking about a team that just has not been in the system and has not been, you know, used to what Mike Leach wants and. Add in the fact that you have COVID and you have guys that are coming in and out and you don't have an opportunity to, to have that continuity, it's going to create some issues. And we've seen it everywhere. There, there hasn't been a single team that has looked unstoppable this season. Alabama's had, you know, its moments. Defensively, they haven't been great. They look beatable. Florida hasn't looked great on defense. Clemson hasn't looked great at times. Um, so, uh, you know, I think everybody's dealing with it in some form or fashion. There's been some – something that's disrupted what they've wanted to do offensively and defensively in, in their programs. And, and going back to that point, and looking at this from 10,000 feet, and you see how teams have had their difficulties this year. I mean, I'm not making excuses right here. I, I'm, not, I'm not drinking a Kool-Aid, and I'm not toting water right now. I'm just sitting there saying, okay, if you look at the number of players we played, if we played 42 guys, 44, whatever we played yesterday, we had fewer guys than Vanderbilt had success, had out there. If I'm preparing for a game, right, and this is really the first time we've had this many guys out for a game, you start game planning on you know Sunday, having your walkthrough, you start doing stuff on Tuesday, getting prepared, and then on Thursday, Mason Miller's sitting there going, uh-oh, hey, you're going to have to play left tackle, you're going to have to play right guard. And just by judging at the numbers, and I don't know anything in the background. That's that's the positive about doing this show, and, and everybody knows the football office is like over there by itself. We don't know what's going on. Uh, Robbie, you know more about what's going on in the football office than we do. I can guarantee you that. But just by judging of who played yesterday and who played in that game, last week in that football office had to be complete disarray simply because the number of guys that you didn't have available for the game on Saturday. So at the end of the day, coming out with a win, and I know you're playing Vanderbilt, and I mean, we've covered this. Vanderbilt's wretched. They had their issues three weeks ago. So, you know, a lot of their stuff is opt-out. The guys are not going to come back. I mean, they're not going to be here the rest of the year. They went through COVID issues three weeks ago. Now, this past week, we have our numbers. At the end of the day, to fight through and get an SEC win after what you had going on probably behind the scenes last week, you know what? I'm beginning to say, I'll take it. Yeah, I think you will. And I suppose the bright side, you don't get any false confidence, uh, false arrogance for your offense out of the game. You know, that's one thing about this coaching staff. 
You know, it's kind of interesting. Dan Mullen didn't like to talk about injuries, but he got in your face that I wasn't going to talk to you until he did. You know, he, he would be happy to talk to him, and then you ask him a question he doesn't like, and it's we don't talk about injuries, and I'm not taking your questions anymore. Uh, these guys just don't talk about it. I mean, we didn't know, as we were doing the pregame show yesterday, we didn't know who was going to play or not. We'd heard rumors that some guys were out. No, we had idea. no idea. No idea. And, you know, Will Rogers, Robbie talked about, missed the first two games of the year. We presumptively know what happened, but they don't come out and say, hey, here's our list of guys who were sick or not. And so they don't go – this group doesn't go out and publish a list of excuses before the game is played, and I, I kind of like that. Yeah, and, and we learned pretty quick that they weren't going to discuss injuries at all. I mean, they, they're not going to bring it up on their own. They're not going to answer questions about it. Uh, we asked Leach, I think it was actually the first – practice press conference that we had with him just how things were going was he were they affected by COVID or anything like that and he said he basically came out and said even if even if we did have a problem I wouldn't tell you so we we learned pretty quick we're not going to get anything out of this guy we don't get a sheet of paper before the game like Joe Moorhead used to give us or Dan Mullen who's suspended who's out for injury or things like that we have no idea so we basically have to look down on the field and see pregame if someone's out there on the field or not and Charlie yesterday in the pregame what did I say what did I, <clears throat> what did I say in the, in the tailgate show you know Vanderbilt had published we've only got 58 guys and I said at the time hey I'm looking I'm looking for yeah I'm looking to see what we got and we I never could find it because I didn't know well that was like we asked Jay Perry before the game who whether everyone was available to go and I think the answer we got was all the people who were here and dressed are available which is <laughs> a complete circular answer because the question is who's available Jay Perry the king of coach speak now yeah now he's he's adopted it no question all right, guys, enjoyed it. Now we, we get ready for Auburn this week. And, you know, Auburn's a team you don't know what to expect out of Auburn at all. And so uh, we, we'll go through this week. We'll see how everything plays out. Robbie, appreciate you jumping in here with us on a Sunday morning. Good to see you all dressed up nice. We're going to run home, and we're going to get dressed for church. And you're guaranteeing a win over Auburn. Is that what I heard? That's exactly not what I said. Oh, okay. Okay, all right. So, Bart Gregory, Charlie Winfield, Robbie Falk, appreciate you listening this morning. If you have any questions throughout the week or, you know, if you want to go and make a uh, comment on the podcast, well, I'll tell you what, it's amazing just the, the number of people that, that come up to us, and, and, and we say that in a fun way. We uh, it, It's really great about how this show is taken off. Of course, out of left field, it'll be dropped on Thursday. It'll be on WFCA 107.9 in uh, the central Mississippi on the radio on Thursday night. And then we'll be back for football next weekend, Mississippi State and the Auburn Tigers. So appreciate you guys joining us here on Sunday Coffee.